Transferring wealth successfully starts with asking yourself questions that will give your family a better life now and for generations to come. In this podcast, financial professionals John and Michael from Copper Beach Financial Group guide you through eye-opening questions to help you discover the truth about your wealth. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to The Truth About Wealth with John and Michael Parise of Copper Beach Financial Group. Today I'm giving Gen 1 a, uh, a break. We're going to start with Michael. Michael, how are you this morning? Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm, do- I'm doing good. Yeah, I'm doing, doing very well as well. And I know that you guys have a guest on the show today, correct? Yes. We do. We have uh, Mr. Aaron Giroux. He's the co-founder and CEO of, of LifeRock Capital. So Aaron, thank you so much for, for being here today. Yes, thank you for having me. Excellent. So we, we brought Aaron on today to talk about something that we've seen in our interaction with clients as being a topic that really is in many ways foreign to them. And I think, Aaron, you'll, you'll probably attest to this at, at, as we get started here. But what I brought Aaron on and, and his company, LifeRock Capital, what, the, what they do is they're experts and specialists in the life settlement space. And, and that is a uh, again a very unique design it's a it's a planning tool involving life insurance that many of our clients and people that we've talked to are not familiar with and we just thought it would be an, a good topic to have an expert on and and that's why we brought Aaron on today so uh, Aaron before we get started on the topic if you wouldn't mind maybe taking a couple minutes and giving your backgrounds you know how you got started in the industry and, and maybe touch on your company life rock capital and what you guys do yeah, thanks again for having me. Uh, I've been in the life settlement business for 15 plus years, but really grew up in a life insurance family and in a life insurance world. And uh, my father, being my entry point into the life insurance world, previously owned a large life insurance brokerage general agency. And he was really my window into the emerging life settlement market, which really began to take hold in the mid 90s with the advent of the HIV AIDS um, epidemic and the need for those individuals to find um, assets and liquidity to fund treatment. And turned out that life insurance policies are an asset like any other asset, a home, a car or anything else that a qualified individual can sell to a third-party investor for cash today. And um, just seemed like a great market, phenomenal planning tool to help a variety of people that may be looking for um, liquidity, which we'll get into more later. And just thought it would be a great space for me to get into early in my career. And here I am 15 years later. That's excellent. Yeah. And tell us a little bit about your company, uh, LifeRock. Yeah, LifeRock Capital is a life settlement provider, and we have um, what we believe is the nation's largest network of global policy buyers, and we give advisors and their clients access to our global buyer network to find competitive offers uh, for policies that may qualify for a life settlement. And we really focus on working exclusively uh, through advisors to help them architect case designs and plans for their clients and families around their life insurance and estate planning needs. Excellent. Yeah. And, and, and that's, 
you know, you touched on what the life settlement is. And as I mentioned at the beginning, I think this is an area that a lot of families that we work with, when it's come up in conversations, they're, they're really just not familiar with this, with this space or, uh, and I would imagine you would attest to this as, as well, Aaron, they maybe have heard of it, but it's, maybe frowned upon in some ways. Can you give a little bit uh, history? You gave started giving a little bit of history, but is that your experience in terms of how people look at this space? And, and, you know, maybe I imagine you may have to overcome a little bit of that, uh, that negative attention. Is that correct? Yes. I think there's two questions there. The first is just overall consumer and market awareness around what is a life settlement and who, who may qualify for a life settlement. And I recently saw some data that said that over 50% of American households still to this day, um, even though we're 15, 20 years into the evolution of this market, do not know what a life settlement is. So there's still a tremendous opportunity uh, for both us at LifeRock Capital, as well as the advisors that we work with to educate our clients around what a life settlement is and what types of clients might qualify. You know, historically, life settlements have really been the purview of life insurance agents. They were sort of the entry point and the, really the agents in the market that really began to educate clients and source deals for the market at, a, at large. And that definitely, I, I think, in the early days was a challenge because the life insurance agents and producers in the market traditionally viewed themselves as uh, partners with insurance carriers um, as well as clients. And with the life settlement, some might view that there's a little bit of a conflict um, in the sense that life insurance companies aren't big fans of life settlements because Uh, Many people don't know, but 87% of life insurance policies never pay a death claim. They're either lapsed or surrendered prior to death. Hmm. And so when a policy is sold via a life settlement, it's almost guaranteed at that point that the investor will pay premiums on that policy until the insured passes. Right. So... Carriers, I think, initially felt pretty threatened by life settlements in the early days. And I think that that had a knock-on effect in the way that advisors viewed life settlements. Is They just didn't want carriers also viewing them in a negative light. That was, I would say, very much an early phenomenon in the business. I'd say the market has very much evolved today. And most of the carriers and advisors have come to realize that a life settlement, when done properly, is a tool for their clients to meet a planning need and is, when done right, is in the best interest of the client. And so I really think the market has um, matured and has developed a client-centric view relative to life settlements. Aaron, this is John. Um, we, we, we're in the world of planning uh, on a constant basis, and, and we're always looking at, at the client from that perspective. Where does it fit from a planning standpoint? And I know that's a deep question in some, some, some aspects, but generally, where is the planning around life settlements? 
Yeah, I'll touch two points. One, I think the need, and then two, I'll touch a little bit on who qualifies. So the need for life settlements um, or a life settlement can really fall into a broad number of scenarios, but the very common ones that we see are as follows. Number one is the, the client or the family just can no longer pay premiums on a policy. And so traditionally, when we're sitting down as planners, if we're looking at a universal life policy or a whole life or variable life policy, there's really historically two options for us as, as planners if a client wants to stop paying premium. One would be to surrender the policy for the cash value. And so really, if you think about it, you have a one buyer market in that scenario. You have the insurance company who will retire the risk and in exchange for tiring the risk associated with the life insurance policy, will pay the policy owner out um, per the cash value in the policy. Number two might be to take a loan, um, which works in limited scenarios. Um, so a, a life settlement is just a third tool in that kit for somebody who maybe can no longer afford to pay premium to see if a life settlement can provide better liquidity options than what the carrier might offer. The second big reason we see is the client just doesn't need or want the insurance anymore. As, you, as we all know as planners, the estate tax provisions and laws change over the years. And uh, particularly with some of the changes that came down with Trump's tax changes, the tax exemptions, estate tax exemptions are so large today that many people maybe no longer need the insurance that they previously needed under the prior tax regime. So um, that that's the second biggest reason. The third is that the policy owners or the insured's view on the insurance has changed maybe just relative to the family planning needs. Maybe the kids are grown, um, they're successful in their own right, and they just don't have the emotional attachment to the life insurance that they previously had. And really, it just comes down to a life settlement being a liquidity tool, and that cash payout to a policy owner can be used for any reason the client sees fit. And that might be for a business or real estate investment opportunity. It might be to pay off the house, fund a retirement planning gap, or even to fund medical or long-term care needs. So the range of reasons that drive a life settlement, I think are pretty varied, um, but it really just comes down to liquidity and potential opportunities for use with that liquidity if a life settlement were pursued. So basically, Aaron, people could look at this life settlement concept as an asset on their balance sheet. Uh, they could live it, I mean, they could use it while they're living versus waiting for a death benefit to be paid out to a family member. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you look at it that way as well, right? That's very much how we look at it. And we okay. very much encourage clients and their advisors to have policies evaluated, and that's something that we can help with anytime they're doing an insurance policy review. Um, one of the boxes that we encourage to check is what is this policy worth in the secondary life settlement market? 
And um, there are firms, including ourselves, that have policy valuation processes and tools that can help advisors have a conversation with their client around the potential value of a policy, maybe in the same way that you would use Zillow or real estate comparables to help establish or get an understanding around what a real estate asset might be worth. Yeah, Aaron, that's that's really interesting. And, and maybe to expand upon that valuation of that policy a little bit, and you touched on this a little bit earlier, but who would you say is the uh, a qualified candidate to maybe look at a life settlement? It, obviously, you gave the sort of the planning circumstances, but I would imagine that there's a typical profile from the individual standpoint, maybe the insured standpoint. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yes. Um, I think that there's an old school of thought and a newer school of thought on on that. And the old school is um, an insured who's 70 years of age or older, a policy, a face amount of 500000 or more, and somebody that's typically had a mild or moderate change in health since the policy's been issued. So th- that was our general parameters. And with the broad concept that the less healthy somebody is, the more likely they are to qualify for a life settlement. And the higher their policy is probably worth. Also, it's pretty intuitive, but the more affordable the premium is for an associated policy, the more likely a policy is to qualify. And if it does qualify, the lower the premium to carry that policy generally will result in also a higher valuation for that policy. Now, the market has really evolved the past five years to broaden the box beyond the 70 plus uh, market with insureds with health impairments. And we're now regularly seeing cases that qualify on insureds, even in their early 60s, who are perfectly healthy, um, that meet very particular buy boxes for institutional buyers. And so we really encourage advisors to bring cases to us on really any insured over 60 to provide feedback if the case will work and what the possible valuation for that policy might be because the market's evolving uh, very rapidly and the buy box is continuing to expand to encompass a wider range of insureds and policies. Yeah, it's really interesting how that how that evolution has has occurred because and correct me if I'm wrong Aaron, I I this I think the life settlement industry in many ways has sort of been the progeny of maybe the viatical settlement world, is that correct? Yeah, as I mentioned before, really went back to the AIDS epidemic. And these were traditionally people that were viewed to have life expectancies of three years, two years or less. And um, that really started to bring in the institutional capital and really, again, open people's eyes to the fact that a life insurance policy is an asset. And as the market has matured, we just have gradually seen the box expand from people with three-year life expectancies to eight years to 10 years to 15 years, where we're seeing deals done now with insureds with 20-year-plus life expectancies in some scenarios. 
And that's uh, yeah, that is that is very. I mean, even I'm I haven't been in the industry as long as you have, Dad. But I that that uh, time frame was always expanding. At least I would see uh, that it used to be. My initial impression was that, like you said, Aaron, somebody that was maybe had a terminal condition that would be able to qualify for that viatical seven. It's really interesting to see how the how the market has expanded. And another question I had is, if somebody, a listener out there, is uh, wanting to maybe explore this option for them, what does the process look like for them uh, typically? What is what is the uh, so, sort of behind the scenes, things that you would look at, and from a process standpoint, to see if that in, insured qualifies for this life settlement. Yeah, for our policy valuation process, we request generally two to three pretty basic items. The first is an illustration from the insurance carrier with a level premium that will carry a policy to age 100 or 105. And for that illustration to be accompanied just with a brief description of the insured's health, gender, and date of birth. And that's enough for our policy valuation team, or even generally the market as a whole, to provide a valuation report with a potential range of values um, based on the information provided. So it's a pretty lightweight process to get a general sense for will a policy work? And if it works, what types of valuations are offered should I expect if I were to go to market? Aaron, this is John again. Uh, I'm I'm sorry, I mean to interrupt you. Um, I I wanted to get this question out. You mentioned insurance, uh, the permanent insurance, cash value side of the world. Do you also look at term insurance as a solution on this strategy? We do. If the policy is convertible uh, to a permanent product, that will generally increase the likelihood that we can purchase or sell that term insurance policy. However, we do regularly transact on cases where a term policy is not convertible. It's either still in its guarantee period, or in some instances, it's in its annual renewable term period. What we generally find on non-convertible term policies, you do typically need insureds to be a bit more impaired on the health side than you would for a permanent life product. Sure. But we generally can look at any type of policy, universal life, convertible term, non-convertible term, whole life, variable life, and even index life. Interesting. How long does this process typically take from start to finish from your experience? Yeah, once a client and advisor has made the formal decision to pursue a life settlement, um, the process is typically you you fill out some basic paperwork along with a HIPAA authorization signed by the insureds. And we do a medical underwriting process. No exam is required, but we do obtain attending physician statements from the insured's doctors. And as you guys know, th- that process just to obtain medical records could be two to four weeks of kind of walkthrough process-wise. Once we have uh, a complete medical file in hand, uh, that medical file is then turned over to one of the six um, approved life expectancy vendors in the market that 
do the life expectancy evaluations and medical evaluations for the insureds. And those life expectancies typically in today's market, they move very fast. They're one to two weeks. And once we have a life expectancy back, we then put a policy out to market to multiple buyers and solicit multiple bids. And that bidding process um, can take as little as two weeks, um, but sometimes can take as long as four weeks. And what we always advise, if we allow a little more time for that price discovery process to play out, we increase the likelihood that we get full market value for the policy. A more timely, diligent process tends to lead to better outcomes on the pricing side. And once an offer is received and accepted, it's generally about four weeks to complete closing documents and for the carrier to record the title change and for the client to then be paid. So in summation, you might be looking at a two to three month process on the faster side, and it could be three to five months on the slow side, subject to doctors and just how quickly the insurance carrier and the client are moving during the closing process. Aaron, this is John again. Um, once the transactions close and the client receives the, the money uh, on the sale, uh, we're, you know, we're tax guys. Uh, what's the tax ramifications to the client regarding that payment? You know, I'm not a tax professional, so I won't dive too deep into in, the um, exact tax implications, but I can do a brief overview. And I always recommend every client and advisor connect with their tax professional for specific advice. But we did have some very favorable tax changes that came down under the Trump administration relative to the way that proceeds are treated for a life settlement. And the big clarification and benefit that we got under those changes was that all premium paid into a policy prior to a life settlement uh, paid by the owner of the policy is now treated as basis in the policy. So in any transaction, life settlement or otherwise, 100% of the purchase price up to basis is treated as a return of basis and is therefore not taxable. And the general rule of thumb is anything received over basis is generally going to be treated as long-term capital gains. Great. So pretty okay. favorable tax environment today. Yeah. Yeah, that's very interesting. Well, Aaron, I think we're, we're, we're probably getting close to the end of our time here today, but I was wondering if you were able to, we, we really love talking about case studies, you know, real life scenarios. Is, is there any uh, particular case study that you've worked on in the past that you could maybe uh, outline a little bit, some of the particulars uh, for that particular client and, and just educate our audience a little bit on, the, uh, on, on some of the benefits there? Yeah, definitely. I'll do a quick summation of what we see on average in the market, and then I'll, I'll give you guys a couple of case studies for us to chew on. So the average payout on a life settlement that we see in the market tends to be somewhere between 15 and 20% of face amount. And we see cases that trade at 
uh, one or two percent to face amount for individuals with very long life expectancies. And we see cases trade at 70 percent to face amount for somebody who maybe is terminally ill and has a very attractive life policy behind that. So as you can see, we do have a very wide range, but I'll walk through a couple of real life examples that I've seen this year that I think further highlight some of the opportunity that we see in the life settlement market for uh, policy sellers. We recently had a 76 year old male. He was quite impaired. I'd say his life expectancy was close to 36 months. It was a $5 million policy. It was an attractive policy with a good carrier, A-plus rated. That is the, the better, the counterparty, i.e. the insurance carrier, generally the higher a policy will value. And in this particular instance, we were able to get an offer of uh, $2.75 million on a $5 million policy. So it was um, a very substantial event for the family, solved a lot of planning needs, and um, the advisor and client were, were thrilled with the process. So I'd say that's one end of the spectrum where we tend to get um, a much larger offer as a percentage of face amount. If we go to somebody who's a bit younger, uh, we recently had a case. Uh, it was a convertible term policy. Cash surrender value on the policy was zero. So it wasn't a traditional life settlement case or the sort of the old school life settlement case that I referred to before. It was a 70-year-old female in great health. So even people who've been in the life settlement market would traditionally say this policy probably has no value. But through our process, using one of our healthy insured programs, we were able to get an offer of $130,000 uh, for a policy that otherwise had no value. So as a percentage of face amount, it was a lower percentage, but it was still a meaningful event for the advisor and the family with a six-figure offer. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I'm really interested in the convertible term uh, piece because... You know, that is something that I think is pretty unique that, that you brought up today because, again, I, you know, that's the, the traditional world is you have a permanent life insurance policy that has some cash surrender value attached to it that is, I, I guess, your prototypical or your stereotypical, rather, life settlement case. The fact that you, you guys are able to really look at, you know, these convertible term policies, I think, is really attractive to a lot of families and really expands you know, again, the, the, the servicing that you can do with these types of policies from a life settlement standpoint, that's really, really interesting. Yeah, I'll give you um, a third and final case example that I think really illustrates some of the unique things that we can do with life settlements and life insurance. We had an 85-year-old client. He was in decent health for an 85-year-old. And $2.5 million policy and the premiums were just becoming a bit stressful for him and the family. They still had a desire to keep some insurance. And so a traditional life settlement where he would sell the policy for a full cash payment just didn't quite meet the planning need. And we were able to get an investor to offer $210,000 in cash up front for the $2.5 million policy. But the more interesting thing was is our buyer agreed to pay 100% of the premium going forward, but let 
the family and the beneficiaries retain $1.3 million of the $2.5 million in death benefit. So it almost became a paid up policy where they were able to retain 1.3 million of insurance, 210,000 of cash today, and our investor agreed to pay 100% of the premium on an ongoing basis. So just a very cool planning tool, and we call this retained death benefit life settlements for the insured to maintain the coverage that he needed for his family, but was able to get rid of the premium obligation. Fascinating. Yeah, that's really interesting. So like a hybrid type of design. That's pretty cool. A hybrid design, definitely. Yeah. Well, Aaron, unfortunately, we're, we're running low on time, but I, I really want to thank you today. I think you really shed some light on this topic that, again, many of our families that we've talked to maybe have some basic understanding of it, but really don't, I don't think, understand the ins and outs of it. And, and again, we have a lot of listeners that probably haven't heard anything about life settlements before. So I want to thank you for really educating uh, our listeners and ourselves on on what you do and, and this market. This is this has been great. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you again for having me. It's been a pleasure and always here to help. Thank you, Aaron. Aaron and Michael, uh, great job, great conversation today. John, I appreciate your input. And I'm going to ask you for a little bit more before we close this out. Any final thoughts for today's podcast, John? Yeah, quickly, it's it's uh, it's always around planning, and I think Aaron could agree that a lot of these ideas are fabulous, but they have to fit a plan, and mm-hmm. they have to make sense for the family uh, and their planning. So that that's just my thought. Uh, Aaron, you probably would agree with that. I definitely agree. We, we always recommend that a client work with their advisors, um, both estate, tax, legal, um, and insurance advisors, to regularly view review their estate and insurance plans and to incorporate life settlements as a discussion point. And the best cases are done with the right planning. And that just means that uh, us as financial professionals get to roll up our sleeves. Fabulous. Yep. Hey, Michael, I I know that this is something that um, obviously you were intrigued and you brought him on the show for that. Now I'm assuming some listeners are going to be very intrigued. Um, We'd like them to reach out to you to, to, further this conversation, Michael. So give them your contact information, would you? Sure. You can reach us. uh, Our website address is www.cbfgllc.com. You can also reach uh, both myself and my father on LinkedIn. And if you need to call us, our phone number is area code 856-988-8300. Fantastic. John, Michael, thank you so much, Aaron. Thank you for being on the show today. And of course, our last thank you goes to you listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast with John and Michael Paris. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when John and Michael come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Copper Beach Financial Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Copper Beach Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. 
Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. This material is for informational purposes only. Neither APFS nor its representatives provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Please consult your own tax, legal, or accounting professional before making any decisions. Copper Beach is not affiliated with American Portfolios Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolios Advisors, Inc. Securities offered through American Portfolio Financial Services, Inc., a member of FINRA SIPC, Investment Advisory and Financial Planning Services offered through American Portfolio Advisors, Inc., an SCC Registered Investment Advisor. These opinions are subject to change at any time without notice. Any comments or postings are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or other financial instruments. Readers should conduct their own review and exercise judgment prior to investing. Investments are not guaranteed, involve risk, and may result in a loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Investments are not suitable for all types of investors. Copper Beach is an unaffiliated entity of American Portfolios Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolios Advisors, Inc. Any opinion expressed in this forum is not the opinions of American Portfolio Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolio Advisors, Inc. and have not been reviewed by the firm for completeness or accuracy. This may not be representative of other clients. There is no assurance your experience will be similar and no assurance of financial success.